Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio, where each week we talk to creative Mississippians from across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thornis, with the Mississippi Arts Commission. On today's show, we're honoring photographer James Patterson, who passed away in the fall of 2018. In the studio today, I'm talking to some of James's friends, Ron Blaylock and Lauren Stennis. James Patterson was born in 1959 in Phoenix, Arizona, moving to Jackson, Mississippi with his family around junior high. He later attended the University of Southern Mississippi, where he took classes in photography and journalism. He began taking pictures with his Polaroid Big Shot camera around age eight and was proud of having the same camera that Andy Warhol used. Throughout his career, he worked as a photo assistant in photo labs as a teacher, editor, and gallery owner. James was one of two photographers allowed to print the photographs of Eudora Welty. And in 1992, James collaborated with the famous author to co-publish portfolio of her work. James was an artist with one foot in the world of commercial photography and the other in fine art photography, perhaps best known for his long career documenting the Deep South and its people. Some of his most beloved photos are his portraits. When asked about his love of portraits, James said he liked them because he liked interacting with people, capturing and looking at their emotions. He said he loved photographing in the South because the people who make up these areas and places. Before he passed, James was named 2019 Governor's Arts Award recipient for his lifetime of work in the arts. After being diagnosed with lung cancer in the spring of 2018, friends showered him with love, holding concerts and gatherings celebrating his life. James passed away in the fall of 2018. On today's Arts Hour, we're honoring his work and remembering his life and legacy. In the studio, I've invited some of his friends to speak about their memories of James. And I'd like to welcome my guests, Ron Blaylock and Lauren Stennis. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks. Pleasure to be here, Melody. Thank you. Good, good reason to be here. Absolutely. Well, it's a very special arts hour to honor um, our Governor's Arts Award recipients. So I want to start at the beginning. Um, can you guys just tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and how each of you first met James? Well, I, um, I'm an artist uh, who lives here in Jackson, and a Mississippi native. And uh, I think James was naturally drawn to uh, artists and misfits. And so I met James uh, not long after I moved back to Jackson, which would have been uh, 20, fall of 2013 is when I moved back. And I was involved in the Andrew Bucci art exhibit, uh, another artist, and he was chosen to uh, do a portrait of Andrew Bucci for the exhibit, and through that work, um, got to know James. Um, He also photographed all the artwork that was in the catalog for that exhibit. And so it was kind of a, um, I guess you could say a professional relationship at first by way of working on the uh, project together. But um, we hit it off immediately. And and he, he said, you know, come come hang out. Come hang out at the studio. Because Ron and James uh, had a, a, a community as well as a studio uh, at that location. And I was kind of shy about it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. But um, 
I just thought he's not serious, you know. He he's this cool professional dude, and and I'm just this you know local artist, and he he doesn't really mean that. But he he was persistent about it when he he typical of James when he would meet folks that um, he hit it off with, which was always a compliment. And I always thought it was this you know special unique thing. Later found out it was you know there were five or six thousand of us. <laughs> he was a man of many many friends, but. Um, um, you know, he meant it. And he he would see me out again and say, well, come on by, come on by. And uh, that quickly became a place, uh, much probably to, to Ron's dismay. Uh, <laughs> I was there no, it was hard. several times a week, um, just made myself at home. Yeah, it's, um, uh, so I'm Ron Blaylock and uh, a photographer. James and I shared uh, the studio space there. Um, from, I think it was... 2010 is when I moved in there, um, up and you know, I'm still there currently. But uh, I met James right after I moved back to Jackson uh, following Hurricane Katrina. And it was actually the first time I met him was photographing a Governor's Arts Awards, which I didn't even really think about until mm. this one was coming up. And uh, um, James was there photographing for the Arts Commission. And I was there shooting it for the Clarion Ledger. I was doing some freelance work for uh, right after the hurricane. And um, so as photographers do, when, you know, you're standing around waiting for something to happen, you start talking. And, you know, we hit it off, you know, you know, photographer nerd stuff. You talk about gear and then you talk about this and then you talk about that. And and uh, so it was a few years after that, you know, we I, I would kind of see him more and more and when there started to be those kind of, you know, the foundering events, you know, I would go by his, you know, studio and we'd talk. And then um, when I was moving out of my old studio space and looking for uh, a new space, it came up that, you know, he was, uh, he kind of had a, a vacancy there with um, who was sharing his space. And so I'd talk to him and we kind of talked about the dynamic of two photographers being in the same space, you know, who essentially did a lot of the same kind of work. And, uh, you know, he was kind of, you know, well, let's give it a shot. Sounds good, you know. And uh, so it, we hit it off immediately. And, it, you know, it, it, it worked incredibly well. You know, people would ask all the time, like, well, how does that work when Sonny, you know. And um, James was just such a, a good guy that there was never that feeling like we were competing, even though, you know, technically a lot of times we were competing for the same stuff. You know, we just get, took one punch and whoever hit hardest. Well, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it was funny because we'd even talk about, we'd, you'd get him out, hey, did you get a, you know, a, you know, a email about bidding on this? And I'd be like, yeah. And so, you know, we always kind of talked, we made sure that we always bid the same price on stuff. So it was nice. never a price issue. It was like, you know, here, go look at our work, you know, go look at my work, go look at him's and Price is going to be the same, and, you know, sometimes they'd pick me, sometimes they'd pick him, sometimes they'd pick somebody else, you know. So that was an agreement that you guys made? It was Let's never really just kind of a tale, but it was always just kind of like this, you know, gentleman's agreement to, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, um, you know, because we never wanted to, and, and that's a losing proposition anyway when you start undercutting you know, each other on price, um, especially in anything, you know, creative, you know, you're always, in, in Mississippi, you always seem to be kind of fighting to get, reasonable wages anyway for, you know, uh, for creative work. So, um, you know, so we always tried to make a point of, you know, pricing ourselves the same. So it was never a decision, you know, based on anything other than, you know, oh, well, 
your style fits this or your style fits that or neither of your style fits this or maybe somebody else is cheaper. Um, but it was, you know, it really, really worked well. And it was such a fun environment, you know, moving in there because, you know, the studio really was kind of like James's living room, too. I mean, yeah. he loved being up there because it was just a, a constant flow of interesting people coming through. And, um, you know, and visitors, too. You know, we have people because... You know, as you have these tourists that kind of come through town and, you know, people that are here to see the Delta or, you know, looking at, you know, the blue stuff or making their way between Memphis and New Orleans and they stop in at Jackson and it's kind of when you, you know, um, you know, Foner kind of become that point where, you know, magazine articles were talking about, they talked about Jackson, they talk about, oh, you need to go here, here and here. So you walk around, chances are one of us was there and people would come in and, uh, you know, James was always such a great ambassador to the state, too, because, you know, somebody would walk in the door and be an hour later, they were sitting, you know, in a chair <laughs> talking and, you know, they'd have a list, a page long of things. Oh, you need to go see this. You need to sit, you know, don't waste your time on that. You know, this is where you really need to go eat, not what the magazine article says and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, to the point where I remember there was a um, a guy came in with like, you know, four film cameras around his neck who was a carpenter in Canada and he would take like two months off in the wintertime to go different places to, to photograph. And so he'd come to Mississippi and he was in Jackson. And so James I was like, oh, have you, you know, have you, are you going to go up to the Delta? And he's like, what's the Delta? You know, which is so funny because, wow. you know, it seems like when people, you know, most people when they come, that's where they immediately go to. And uh, so, he, you know, James, like, I don't, he didn't have that much to do that day. So he put him in the car with him and drove him up to, you know, past Yazoo City. And they went drive around and spent the afternoon. And next few days, this guy was in town. He would, you know, come through, you know, every single day and kind of check in, and, you know. But it was that was not an uncommon thing. You know, it was just, you know, he was just such a welcoming spirit. And I think that's what just drew everybody in, you know. And it was a real kind of compliment if he liked you because, you know, mm -hmm. that was the kind of thing. It's like, you know, everybody you met, it's like, well, if James likes them, they're an all right dude. Right. <laughs> it's just, that's just always how it was. You yeah, know? you hear that phrase, any friend of such and such is a friend of mine. Well, you know, uh, the James endorsement was truly, uh, truly meant something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's it says something really special about someone when, you were saying, Lauren, that, you know, the way he treated you or the way he talked to you kind of made you feel so special. And then you mm -hmm. you connect with people that also felt that way. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, there's thousands. Oh, he was so kind to, to all these people and, you know, made everyone feel like that. I mean, that's yeah. a, a real, uh, real special um, quality. So I know, Ron, you touched on this, but and, and Lauren, you mentioned this earlier as well, but. Tell me a little bit more about some of the goings on at the studio. I mean, there's been. Sorry, we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> we're not allowed to do that. You know, concerts, there's been all kinds of gatherings. I mean, it really, as you said, really was a communal space. So I'd love to hear about some of the favorite memories and things that kind of took place there. Well, um,. Yeah, I mean, we had live music, and that was one of the things when I moved in, because I know James and some of his previous spaces had had, you know, had music before, and so when I came in, I, you know, I'd had some of that in my old studio, and I was like, hey, do you do you want to do some music, you know, because I had a lot of musician friends. He's like, yeah, absolutely, you know, and that was, you know, he had a ton of musician friends. I had a lot of musician friends, and it was kind of like, hey, well, what if this person comes and plays? And people would ask, you know, oh, can we come and play? Because it was just such a... 
it's such a good room. You know, it mm-hmm. holds about 50 or 60 people. The acoustics are really, really good, you know, to where you can have a, a full-on rock and roll show in there, um, and it's not horrible in your ears kind of thing, <laughs> you know, even when it gets loud. And we've had people just will just sing and play guitar with no PA, nothing. Just And uh, we've had people that have recorded in there, recorded albums in there. It's just it's a really, really good, comfortable room. And uh, it's kind of that idea of uh, how people have house shows, but you can fit a few more people in there. But it has that same kind of vibe. And it's, you know, in my experience, it's been one of the only places where I've heard music in Jackson where people are just really, really respectful and quiet and listen the whole time, you know, and that's always such a big complaint when you go see a lot of music, people just, it's a social thing and people are talking the whole time and, you know, how many times have you seen a live show where the actual band's like, can y'all just kind of be quiet, you know? Right, and, and <laughs> give us uh, a listen. And we never really had that, you know, if somebody came in and started talking, everybody kind of turns and looks, everybody kind of just, Yeah, you know, you're the outcast to, if yeah, you're running your mouth in to there. to be quiet. You walk out that front door. Yeah, and know? so it got to be a place where musicians really liked to play and songwriters and stuff because they knew that, you know, even if there were just 10 people in there, those 10 people were all there vested listening and, you know, uh, it was just kind of such a warm place to be. And that's just, you know, how it always was where it was just people hanging out, you know, and that would throughout the day you'd have people come in and, you know, there are certain days when, you know, people start accumulating, just kind of push away from the desk and like, all right, the, nothing else is getting accomplished today. You know? <laughs> um, and it was, you know, it, it, it was always just a fun place to be, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in college and there's always kind of that house where, where people just, end up all the time, you know, and it's just, um, that's kind of where people just congregate. And that's what it kind of felt like, you know, it kind of felt like being back in college where this is just where everybody comes to hang out. And he had the artists, artists there too. I mean, he would, he would have art shows as well and yeah. often in conjunction with, with the musicians. And, uh, there was one night he had a, a concert, um, and uh, a show of my work, and I got a side eye from James I will never forget because I was running my mouth. <laughs> Somebody had asked about a piece of my work, and I said, oh, well, let me tell you about that. And it was when there was a very good, you know, quiet song being played, and James just went poing with those eyes, and I was like, oh, I'll never forget it. <laughs> you don't forget a side eye from James. I mean, he smiled at me, too, but I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh! I got a side eye from James. It's a listening room. <laughs> but but you know Bruce Golden, one of the musicians who played there, said something that I I thought was just spot on. He said James Patterson documented and validated our lives, and that sums it up so beautifully. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. During the break, you heard Picture This by Lee Barber, a favorite of James Patterson's and an artist who played many times in the studio. Now we're going to hear a clip from Tom Roster, a fellow photographer and friend of James's, accepting this year's Governor's Arts Award in honor of his friend. If you're just joining us today, we're speaking with Ron Blaylock and Lauren Sinis about their friend, photographer James Patterson. So um, speaking of the Governor's Arts Awards, Lauren, you just let me know that you nominated James for the award. I, I did, along with Wyatt Waters and and, um, and, and a, a group of many. I like to say it was a group nomination because so many um, um, 
put forth letters. Um, we had to beat him back with a stick. Um, he was so well-loved and appreciated not only for his talent as a photographer, but also as a um, supporter of the community. And so it was not hard to, uh, to gather up folks to, to help with that. So tell me a little bit more about um, what some of his other friends have to say about him. Well, it, Two things just were repeated over and over again. People would cite um, his talent as a photographer, which I'm going to let Ron speak to in more detail since he he can do that better than I um, as a photographer himself um, and and immensely talented at that. But also um, his qualities as a human being. Um, I think his generosity of spirit just came up over and over again. Um, His support of other artists. One of the things that I emphasized um, when I spoke about James was how he refused the spotlight so often. Um, he was very humble, and he was so quick to um, always make sure that there was a stage for others, um, be it another artist or musician. Um, you know, when we were speaking earlier about um, musicians and artists always being in his studio, um, you know, you'd think that would be a place where he would just be like, look at my work, look at my work. He was he was constantly making way for others. Um, and uh, this is a quote from Betsy Bradley, who is the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art. And I just I just think this is beautifully put. She said, our lives are so much better because James Patterson is a part of it. Our artistic community is strong here in great part due to James' pioneering work supporting other artists, making art spaces, and generally telling us that all we need to be, that we need to be better, guiding us to do better, challenging us to reach our creative potential in Jackson, whether quietly supporting musicians by producing events, salvaging photographic negatives of photography that could have been lost, or taking exquisite photographic portraits of his artist friends. James has led the creation of an art scene with the highest possible awareness, integrity, and instinct. We are so deeply grateful to know him. And that summarizes almost everything. Um, we, we just have a heartfelt uh, love for him and appreciation of his work and his spirit. Well, Ron, let's talk a little bit about um, his photography. Okay. Um, as a photographer yourself, um, you may be able to 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 shed some light. Um, you know, it's the radio; we can't see his photographs. Yeah, let me but... show you this. That's so pretty. No, I, I think part of what made James such a great photographer is he had just an incredible eye and sense of what is good and what is not good. You know, and it's. Part of what made him so good of, you know, such a, a great supporter of the arts is that, you know, he was always honest about this is good. This is not good. You can do better than this. This is really good. We should, you know, you should be looking at this. You should be looking at that, you know. And so um, what made him a, a great photographer is also what it made him a great supporter of the arts, you know, because he had just impeccable taste. And, um, and I think that's what what translated through is his ability to kind of see see what to shoot and what not to shoot, you know, um, what to show, what not to show. And that's so much of, you know, of photography is that self-editing, you know, and he was a really good self-editor, you know, and we made him a, a, a good editor of others too, you know, because he was the best person to ask, and anybody will tell you this, you know, um, 
if you you know you've got a bunch of stuff, it's like okay, what should I show? What should I submit? You know, what is good? If you're looking at this art, you know, who should I be showing? That sort of thing. Who should I be looking at? You know, he just had Im- impeccable taste and um, and a a kind but brutal honesty too. You know, and you know if what you were doing wasn't up to par, he wasn't going to let you slide. You know, because he was such a great guy, but he wasn't going to be nice to you just to be nice, you know, he was, you know, he was going to let you know if you needed, and it always made everyone around him, I think, work a little bit harder. I think that was part of his friendship, too. Yeah. I mean, if I needed the truth about something, I would go to James because he would, he would give it to you straight, and you knew it was coming from a place of love and safety. Mm-hmm. And so certainly in in the professional world, mm-hmm. you know, I hear that coming from Ron, but I think that is a rare and beautiful thing in the world of, of friendship and love, too, um, because I knew coming from him, I could hear anything and know that um, this is making me a little verklempt, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that I could I could I could hear from him and know that it came from a place of love and truth um, and honesty in a way that is very rare. And, um, you know, that was another thing I was very, very grateful for. Um, and I think in his professional work and also in his 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 friendship and his community, his larger community, um, John Hicks and, and Ed Inman, are, are, and, and when they spoke of James, they also spoke of his abiding love for Mississippi. And I think that showed up in his work and in his friendships as well. Um, he really loved this place. Um, and he would, he would speak some hard truths about it, too. Yeah. Um, but um, he adored it, and he adored its people. And, um, and I think that came through in, in so many ways. And um, so we're, we're, we're grateful for his tough love of, of this, this place and its people as well. Well, and, you know, you need those people in your life that you can go to. And like you said, you know that the response you're getting from them is clear, it's truthful, and it's honest. And that's what makes you grow. I mean, that's, that's what, what I, makes a good picture. That's I mean, <laughs> you, I mean you, absolutely. his portraits were just so, um, I mean, he, he asked more than once, and people were like, you don't say no to James Patterson, but he, he asked me more than <laughs> once to take my portrait. And I was like, no, James, you know. But um, um, but when he finally got me in there, you know, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, and I just kept thinking, I just kept trying to look past that that darn equipment and, and just just looked for James because I just thought, yeah, you know, I, I can I can look for James and be okay. But but when you look at his portraits, you just you see you're able to see a person in a way, and I'm talking about Morgan Freeman. I'm talking about Merle Evers. I'm talking about Maureen Donnelly. I'm talking about, you know, from friends to the famous. Um, James Patterson was able to reach into the eyes and soul of people in a way that few others would ever have been able to because of that, his ability to, in an empathic and in compassionate way, um, in a truthful way, um, see into and tell the truth about what was in front of him. And, and that just produced some of the most stunning portraiture you'll, you'll ever, ever see. It, it really seems that who he was helped breathe life into these portraits. I, yes. I would assume people so often think portraiture in 
uh, photography could be very boring, you know, could be bland. But, I mean, as evident, but even I'm thinking specifically of the, the life and pictures recently at the Museum of Art, and, and each one of those pictures told its own story. It really did. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's such a, a talent to be able to capture, capture that, you know, and, and really there's so much simplicity, you know, to the portrait, but so much personality comes through. And I think that's that human connection that he made with every one of those subjects, you know, and it's like how people talk about, you know, person that writes people really well really loves people and I think it's the same thing with a portrait photographer you know he just really loved people was fascinated by people and it comes through you know it's and and you know there was there was no flash or glam or you know BS in any of those portraits they're very simple and very straightforward and just you know just bleed personality of the subject and that's what makes them stand out amongst a million other portraits, you know, out there is that uh, there's that beautiful simplicity to it and that beautiful human connection that he was always able to get, you know. And it was fun when he would be shooting. I'd be I'd be on the other side of the wall, you know, working, and I could hear just his interaction, you know, and things. You know, he knew when to, to talk and pull it out, and he knew when to just kind of be quiet and, and, and let people, you know, kind of be in that moment. Well, James... Um was quoted as saying, a photograph should encompass all the ideals of art, design, and story. I want every picture to tell a story. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Today on the Arts Hour, we are remembering James Patterson. During the break, you heard music from Rhonda Richmond, a photo subject of James and recent performer during James Giving, a musical celebration of James's life. Today in the studio, I'm speaking with some of James's friends, Ron Blaylock and Lauren Stennis. So we've talked a little bit about James's art um, and the way that um, his friends remember him and memories that um, took place. So I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about um, other memories that you have of him um, and things that you know about his story to share with listeners who maybe have heard of him but, you know, don't really know know the rest of his story. I think one of the um, memories a lot of people around Jackson will associate with uh, James is the, uh, the publication of the Planet Weekly. Um, this was a, a somewhat irreverent but but important and fun and, and newsworthy publication from uh, around 1999, I suppose it was, um, and it it launched uh, many many writing careers. Um, he supported um, cartoonists, um, gave event listings, um, and used it as a way, um, referencing back to, to Betsy Bradley's quote, to gently nudge uh, Jackson and Mississippi to be a little better than it was. Um, but also, uh, again, used it to to nurture and give refuge to talent, local talent, writers um, and um, and artists who uh, didn't have a place to land. But uh, he would reach out and say, "Hey, need a job? You know, we need we need a good writer here to cover this or or to shed some light on that." And um, that was quintessential James. You know, he would start something, or he started Saucer's Cafe. Uh, which was in downtown Jackson, um, which which launched uh, uh, Steve Long's career, which is, of course, now Steve's uh, Deli downtown, which uh, keeps me full of good sandwiches and soups. Um, you know, they're great friends. But that that was he he handpicked Steve and just said, hey, man, help me out. And then Steve went on to buy saucers and then 
went on to start Steve's Deli. So um, much of what we consider and take advantage of now is just part of the local scene uh, started with James Patterson. Well, I will say that when I moved to Mississippi and was a college freshman, um, as an art major at the time, I'm pretty sure uh, most of my time was spent reading the Planet Weekly and going to Gallery 119. Mm. So to, to to know all these years later, you know, I had no idea he he opened Gallery 119 at the time and to, to see that and learn. Um, and he has said himself that, that, that Gallery 119 was really about him already having a space and why not open it up to give people an opportunity to to show their their stuff. I I read um, an article with him where he was talking about um, when he when he opened that gallery that no one was really showing photographs specifically right. um, in Jackson. I thought that was interesting. I know that many, many people have shown um, at that gallery as well. Do you guys know any any stories kind of from that that time as well? Jack Spencer talks a lot about that. Now, Jack Spencer is an internationally known and award-winning photographer as well who also supported his nomination for the Governor's Award um, and wrote a letter. And um, he referenced that gallery and, and points to it as a as a turning point in, in the Jackson art scene. And, of course, you know, James um, hired Marcy Fisher uh, mm-hmm. and um, who le- also wrote a glowing letter in support of James. And... Um, um, and uh, they became fast friends and um, ran a wonderful gallery together. And, of course, Marcy now has her own gallery um, and does a beautiful, beautiful job with that, um, Fisher Galleries. So um, I think that was a, a huge turning point because a lot of folks don't know how to deal with photography as art. And would you agree, Ron? That oh, it, yeah. It's, especially, you know, I, I would say especially in Mississippi, you know, it's, um, you know, it's very traditional art you know community and uh you know photography you know a lot of people just don't know what to do with it you know it's it's still a lot of ways not accepted as a as a as a true art form you know do do you think that that is because of the the thought that like i could do it myself is that is that is that what you think i think there's some of it and i think some of it is just um you know it's uh that kind of your grandparents' mentality of stuff. If it's art, well, then it's a painting, you know. And you know, if it's a painting, does it match my couch? And <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. And then you know, oh, you're a photographer. You must shoot weddings, you know. And there's just that kind of everything in its place, you know. And uh, you know, so it, it it could be a lot of different things. But uh, you know, I think you know, speaking back to all these things and kind of careers that were launched you know, goes back into how humble James was about his own achievements. Because there's so many things that he did, you know, and people knew him from different eras. You know, he was at Bebop Records for a long time, and so there's a whole crowd of people that remember him, Bebop, and then 119, and then the restaurant, and then, you know, he lived in Ireland for a while, and, you know, he did all these things, and it's funny because people know him from certain eras or know things, but people are always, people have known him for years. I mean, I, I spent... Uh, what, almost nine years sitting, you know, uh, you know, ac- across an, an office space from him, and I, you know, I'm still learning things up, as, and then even after he passed away, learning stuff from his family members that, you know, I thought I knew pretty much everything about, you know, and there's all this other stuff that you find out, and there's just all these great little things, and he lived such an amazing life and influence and helped start 
the careers of so many people and, you know, help people get published for the first time and, you know, have, you know, writers writing their first published articles and, you know, uh, painters, you know, their first books were, you know, that he published and, you know, just all these things behind the scenes. And, you know, and that was the thing. It's like every artist, every creative person knew James, but a lot of the just kind of general public didn't, you know, and that's the thing. He was always kind of the, the man behind the scenes. And so, you know, if there was a, a very talented artist, musician, somebody in anything in that creative business, if they saw James in the room, they made a beeline to him because they knew I should be talking to James, even though maybe 9% of the other people in there didn't know that he was anything other than the guy holding the camera. And, you know, when you think about impact, I mean, I would argue that 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 swath of the general public that might not have known who he was has seen his work. Oh, yeah. You know, so they have actually been touched by something that he did, even if they had no idea. Yeah. And I think you start listing off those things like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's just... Oh, I had no idea he did that. I know how it did, you know. And the one one thing he was never, you know, working on or or busy focusing on was that that collection of of uh, James Patterson photographs. That's that's the book I want. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, we've we've seen his work and we know all these spinoffs, but what an amazing collection that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he was too busy helping all of us. Right. It seems like like you said, he's he's launched so many careers and he did did so much of it quietly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. That's amazing to me. Um, one thing that um, has always fascinated, I know a lot of people, about James is his work with Eudora Welty. Um, I don't know a lot about the work that he did. I know he was one of only two photographers that was selected to um, work with her, and I know that he got to collaborate with her while she was still living. Mm-hmm. Um, do either of you guys know anything about that story? Uh, something he was uh, he was definitely very proud of. You know, he got to uh, to spend time and and really. Got, and James was a, a fantastic darkroom printer, and so to have access to all those negatives and you know he produced um, a whole series of, of portfolios. Um, you know that um, um, I probably should know more about the actual details of, but. Um, uh, but you know, I've seen several of the portals come through as you know people will buy and sell them, and uh, uh, he just did a you know as as somebody who myself started in the dark room, you know he was he was a, a, a absolutely fantastic printer, and I can absolutely see why he was you know chosen to to be her printer because he did such a great job on it, um, and it's such a treasure those portfolios that are out there um, just a, of of her work. But he was also always very humble about that, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to kind of dig a little bit, you know, to find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, I think um, those Depression-era negatives would have potentially been lost to time um, had he and others not recognized their genius and and, and worked to ensure that they be um rescued, if you will, and, and, and treated with such reverence. Um, and I think not only did he see their potential, but his being selected to handle them um, speaks volumes about his, his talent, as Ron was talking about, in the, in the darkroom and as a conservation printer. So he, um, he was a guy who, who really studied the craft. Ma- Maureen Donnelly, in her letter, talked about how he would go down to New Orleans um, in, in the conservatory and just pour over 
negatives and gelatin prints and and monotypes and just just spent hours and hours and hours in ten types excuse me and um, just studying the work of others and, and technique and whether he practiced it or not he studied it um, but he was pretty well versed in a lot of different techniques and so um, it amazes me because there were so many of us that wasted so much of his time, <laughs> you know, talking to him and asking him questions and just, you know, just uh, just visiting with him and, and just wanting to be around him. But he, he managed to get so much done and so much study done and so much practice done and so much work done. Um, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how he did it all. Yeah. Well, I was... don't think he saw it as a waste of time. I'll say that. I think, <laughs> I don't think you know, so. I think he yeah. poured himself into people in what, a genuine way. It. And he was a tinkerer, too. And so, yeah. you know, he would get into something and, and would really delve into it, you know, whether it was, you know, he got into antique fans and restoring <laughs> antique fans. Like, and, and they then, were all over the studio. Yeah. And then he um, he bought a, you know, a reel-to-reel from one of the old radio stations and, and totally restored it. And just, you know, he would have these kind of projects. But he was interesting, and he was an interesting person to talk to. And he was interested in other people. He was interested in things, you know, and it was just – one of those kind of rare, valuable human beings that's just, you know, just kind of a, a joy to be around because, you know, they, they don't just sit around and watch TV. <laughs> right, right. In fact, I don't think we ever talked about television unless it was probably like how to take one apart. But, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, now that you mention it, I mean, and, and, and his studio was just strewn with all kind of. I guess what other people might call bric-a-brac, but it was just all these really, once you, every one of them had some kind of story about whether, um, whether he had found it somewhere or he had taken it apart and put it yeah. back together, just whether it was an antique fan or a timer clock for, um, and, uh, dark room timers, dark room timers were everywhere and, um, or little UFO men. Uh, yeah, was, it was kind of his toy collection, but you know, he, in another life, he could have been an antique toy dealer. Yeah. You know. Well, as we as we start to wrap up our interviews, there any um, those closing statements or, or memories or thoughts that you guys want to offer um, about your friend? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm still in a little bit of disbelief that uh, he is no longer with us. Um, but in so many ways, you know, this conversation has made me realize he will never be completely gone. Yeah, and. It's funny because there are things that nobody would truly appreciate like James would and things and to where you see things, you know, things happen to me. I hear things and you read something in the news and you immediately your first thought is, oh, I can't wait to tell James about that or talk mm-hmm. to James about that and to think, oh, God, who am I going to talk to? There's nobody that would understand and have the, the, um, the insight into it like Absolutely. James would. I miss you know? his counsel and his sense yeah. of humor and... Uh, he's, he's just left a giant, giant hole in, in so many people's lives. Absolutely. And, uh, and in this community. Well, thanks for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour and a very special thank you to my guests. James was quoted in 2014 as saying, even after the artist dies, the art is still there and the work lives on. You can still see some of James's work at www.119gallery.com. <laughs>